today we are interviewing Taylor Smith, arranger, musician, educator, and musicologist. Hello everyone. This is Claudette with Cuyameca Conversations with the Music Industry Seminar course offered over at Cuyameca College. Music, music education, making music, and being a musician. What can we do with all of this? Today we're going to sit down with Taylor Smith, PhD, to discuss some options and opportunities. Taylor is a musician, arranger, educator, musicologist, and a producer based in Southern California. He is the chair of the Performing Arts at Cuyameca College, where we, the members of the Pop Rock Soul Ensemble Band, connect with Taylor's creative musicianship, including arranging and performance. However, Professor Smith's educator-producer hat is front and center in this, the music industry seminar, and the digital audio recording and production courses that he teaches. As a student with an interest and emphasis in music, I found that Professor Taylor was intriguing and greatly hoped I could sit down and have this one-on-one, where I could ask about prepping music as a career and some of the options available from his perspective. Taylor Smith has quite an impressive background, including several degrees. Um, He has a bachelor's from Brigham Young University, the master's from Claremont Graduate, and a PhD also from Claremont Graduate University in musicology. And I have to admit, when I heard the phrase musicology, that one was kind of like, ooh, ooh, that's impressive. (laughs) Professor, thank you for coming. And how are you today? Thanks for having me. I'm doing all right. I'm glad to be here. So settling in, thank you for this time and this um, interview. How are you faring through the COVID? Is that doing okay or? Yeah, it's been it's been tricky, you know, as as it is for everybody. Um, musicians have felt it particularly hard because you know the gigging scene virtually disappeared in March of last year. And while I'm not one who makes like a primary chunk of my income through gigging, I do play often enough that I notice uh, when that went away. Uh, but luckily, here we are what is it, mid-May 2021, and things are picking up again, and there are lots of venues starting to invite people back to play and stuff, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, The best part is that about three weeks ago, both of my kids started going back to school four days a week, which was a godsend. (laughs) I love my kids, but uh, having them around all day long every day was pretty taxing. That is a sentiment that has been echoed um, yes, <laughs> I agree. There are parents and grandparents everywhere who are saying the same, very same thing. Um, well, I'm glad to hear that you've made it through on the other side. We can all say, here we are at 2021. We did COVID. Well, we are still in the COVID season. It may not be at the height, but you know, we're, we're, we're making things work. Um, as a, um, someone with this, in my opinion, once again, this illustrious background and being one who seeks education or is aspiring to attain my degree, uh, is it fair to say um, that the PhD or the PhD in musicology is probably the most coveted um, of all degrees in the music industry um, that you can (laughs) earn? Can you share a little bit about your educational background? Uh, 
Sure. So to answer the first question first, uh, there are lots of people who would say that a PhD in musicology is not the pinnacle of that. Um, I mean, if for no other reason than that there are kind of, when you get a doctoral degree in music, there are kind of two tracks. One that is the more academic track, that's where you get a PhD, like what I have. And then there is one that's a little bit more practical, and that would be a DMA, a Doctor of Musical Arts. It's a different type of degree. It's still a doctorate, uh, but a different type of degree. And so a depending on what you want to do with music, what your emphasis is, those are kind of equally valid, equally prestigious, but mean different things as far as kind of what your training is like and what you're what you're able to do. So okay. I don't want to throw any of my DMA friends under the bus and say, no, the PhD is better uh, because it's not. They're, they're just different types of things. <laughs> uh, but to go back to the second question. So my background is, I mean, I started playing music as a kid in the public schools in fourth grade. Uh, I grew up in Hemet, California, which is about 100 miles north of here in Riverside County. Uh, it's not a super great place to grow up, at least when you're a kid, you think so. Um, uh, but one thing that it did have was really great music in the public schools. Uh, in fact, they were kind of nationally known, the high school there, uh, nationally known for being really, really high quality uh, jazz band, most specifically. Okay. Uh, uh, and that's partly because of just a really great teacher there and also because we lived at the bottom of the mountain and up up above us in Idlewild is another very prestigious school. It used to be called Isomata, Idlewild School of Music and the Arts. Now it's called Idlewild Arts Academy. Uh, that was right in our backyard. And so the teachers that were there often taught the kids down in the valley. We as Hemet High kids would go up there to take lessons with them, all sorts of stuff like that. So, um, what a great yeah, I started in public school in fourth grade and then started on the trumpet and then kind of a bunch of different things happened. And eventually I'm sitting in the jazz band in my junior year of high school playing trombone and, uh, the bass player in the jazz band quit mm. and the teacher came to me, pulled me aside and said, okay, you're going to play bass now. And I said, uh, What? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and he says, no, he, he just had this idea in his head that he thought I could figure it out, that I would be able to do it. Um, so I took the bass guitar home, the high school's bass guitar, took it home on Friday and came back on Monday and like stood in the back of the band and was like, uh, okay, here we go. Um, ta-da. So, ta-da. <laughs> yeah, now I was a bass player, essentially. <laughs> Um, and I, th I think that, you know, he had, it makes sense in that clearly I had some sort of natural knack for it, or I had the, just the right combination of training and things because by the time I graduated from high school, a year and a half later, I got a scholarship to go to college to play jazz bass. Mm. So clearly there was something in there that he saw, mm -hmm. uh, yes. that was in, that I didn't know about because it only took me about a year and a half to be at the get a full tuition scholarship to play jazz bass level within about a year and a half. Um, so where I ended up going to college was I went to Rick's Excellent. College, uh, what a great tap which is third. now called BYU-Idaho. I got a scholarship to go play jazz bass there. Um, 
And while I was there, it was explained to me that while I was on a jazz-based scholarship, that wasn't really something I was allowed to major in. I couldn't be a jazz bassist as my main field of study. Uh, that seems and I didn't weird. have. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, nowadays that's different. It's changed, but at the time, you had to major in you know your like your lessons, your juries, those sorts of things were in, on the classical side of things. So I had to learn to play classical bass, which I had not done really at all before I got there. Um, and because that was all pretty new to me, uh, one, it didn't go very well the first couple of semesters, but then eventually I kind of started to catch on. And I actually got really excited about that world. I started college as a jazz bassist, and I ended college, I wouldn't say abandoning jazz, but having moved to th finding other things really exciting. Okay. Uh, and so I kind of switched and became much more interested in early music. Hmm. And when we say that, we mean uh, like pre-classical period. So like 18 or 1750 and backward. I, when I started, I was going to get a degree in music education, meaning to be like a high school teacher or something like that. And the further I got into that degree, the more I realized I just wasn't interested in that. It wasn't something I hmm. wanted to do. Uh, so when I graduated, now I have this kind of newfound excitement about early music and I didn't have any prospects, partly because I'd abandoned the music ed thing. So I was like, I guess the next thing to do is go to graduate school because I didn't know what else to do. But of course. <laughs> um, so I went to graduate school to, to get a master's degree in musicology, which I didn't know was a thing until shortly before I was applying for musicology programs. If I can interject right there, I, I'm, I'm going to yeah, yeah. jump in there and say, I don't think many people know <laughs> about musicology, yeah. you know, per se. I, as I mentioned be once before, I think to you, I, when I first heard the word musicology, I thought of the artist formerly known as Prince's release entitled Musicology. So, <laughs> Right, the Prince album, yeah, yeah. But There's also a... <laughs> Yeah, no, that's not at all uncommon. In fact, there's a, there's a movie. It's a um, Barbara Streisand movie. It's called What's Up, Doc? Yes. It's quite funny. Uh, Ryan O'Neill is yes. the, the other lead. And he plays a musicologist in the movie. I remember now. These, Thank you. I've forgotten that. Uh, all yeah. these jokes about, like, he has igneous rocks that he strikes together to make yes. these tones. and. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, was, I mean, that, that wasn't I, I, chance. I, <laughs> yeah, so I went to college not knowing that this was a field at all. Like, I didn't know that existed. Okay. Okay. But by the time I was done, I learned about it and realized that's what I want to do. That's what is interesting to me. Okay. And I stumbled across that because um, when I was preparing my senior recital, as most music majors have to do, um, the, the college required us to, to write a short paper about every piece that we were performing. Okay. Hmm. And, uh, when I was doing that, I actually found myself kind of like in the practice room, like just kind of hating it. Oh, and, wow. And thinking to myself, ah, I wish I, I can't wait till I'm done practicing so that I can go to the library and do the research and write these papers. That sounds way more exciting. <laughs> which is exactly say, backwards. From I was going to say, says, says, <laughs> says no music major ever, but that wouldn't be accurate. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. So I was just like, the playing part of it was just annoying and frustrating, but the research and the reading and the writing sounded and felt very exciting. Okay. Which was kind of my clue that, aha, maybe I'm actually a musicologist at heart, and I just never knew what that was. Yeah. So that was my clue to, I guess, musicology graduate study is what I need to do. So that's what I did. I applied to a couple of places, and I ended up at Claremont Graduate University to get a master's degree in musicology. Uh, and then when I was finished with my master's degree there, uh, still basically had no prospects and had kind of been pulled aside by the department chair who said, hey, you should just stay. Like, there's no reason for you to go anywhere. Um, in fact, I'd started working on my PhD before I'd even completed the MA. So I just kind of like just kept going um, toward a PhD in musicology. Mm. And wow. I know that it sounds sounds fancy, sounds exciting, or maybe not exciting, but impressive and nothing else. Uh, but honestly, it never really felt that way to me. It just felt like, I don't know, I guess I'll do that. It's just the next thing on the list. you know. <laughs> I never really set out to say, I'm going to get a terminal degree in this very obscure sounding field. Like I was just like, sure, I guess, next thing. So that's how I ended up with a PhD in musicology. It was kind of almost by accident. Oh, wow. I don't I don't I don't know. I don't think there are any real accidents per se, but <laughs> you didn't find it challenging though. You found it to fit right in your wheelhouse, although as you say you just it was kind of like, well that's next, but it wasn't uncomfortable. No, that's true. Uh in fact, I, I sometimes describe my path through college and both bachelor's, master's and doctorate uh, as just being like really curious about stuff and just kind of almost like wandering around a library and then going, oh, that looks interesting. Spend mm -hmm. some time over there for a while and see what that's all about. Um, and that's kind of what going to grad school was like for me. Um was diving into something for a while and then kind of finding my way to something else that seemed interesting and then diving into that for a while. You know, and so I mentioned that when I started my master's program, it was mostly I was interested in early music. Yes. When I finished my PhD, my dissertation uh, was about Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys and like mid sixties LA rock and roll. So <laughs> wait, I'm uh, sorry. Very, are very saying, far away. <laughs> are you saying that's what you got your master's in? Your your doctor's No, no. So my master's degree is in historical performance practice, which is kind of a version mm -hmm. of musicology that focuses on early music. Mm -hmm. But my PhD, while technically is just musicology, that's the title. Uh, mm -hmm. My specialization, according to my dissertation, is on mid-60s Los Angeles recording studios, <laughs> Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. <laughs> so okay. very, very different. Wow. So jazz to early music to Brian Wilson and the Beach Oh, okay. Well, there you Indeed, go. Indeed, yes. That's not what you would call a straight road at all, is it? No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, and some people might call that sloppy or a mistake on my part, but like, you know, that's just, that's how it all happened. And that's where I ended up. But you don't see it as a mistake, do you? No, I don't. Uh, I, I, 
I take a little bit of pride in the kind of breadth of my experience and background. Um, some might say it's one of those jack of all trades, master of none types of situations. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I found that getting too deep into any one of those things was just getting kind of boring. And so I found something else that was interesting for a while, you know. And uh, the fact is that long and windy road led me here, which is a great place to be. So I can't really complain much about that. Hmm. But allowing yourself to to put your toe in the water in these various areas gave you a wider um, knowledge base. It gave you more understanding. As a professor, all of your students aren't the same. So... Absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, I would say that uh, that breadth was the thing that was able to get me my current position, which is being a professor at, at Cuyamaca College. Um, I I started there in 2008, which was before I'd finished my PhD, but I had finished my master's at that point. Um, and the reason I say that is because the the job posting was pretty specific of what they were looking for. And it was pretty specific in areas that often aren't in the same person. Uh, and what I mean is the job th- description specifically said, we want somebody who can teach traditional tonal theory, like tra- okay. straight up like European harmony theory stuff. Okay. Early music. Kind of, but it's just like just traditional <laughs> Western music theory. Okay, okay. But we also want somebody who can teach a music technology class and build a program in that. And also it would be great if that person could help us build a music industry program. Now, Ta-da! <laughs> uh, so it's kind of uncommon for the people who really know their theory stuff really, really well to also know about recording technology or know about popular music, know about the music industry, because those are just kind of two different specializations that don't cross over very often. Um, hmm. So I just kind of was just like right place, right time with exactly that skill set uh, that got me this gig. You know, had uh-huh. I uh-huh. dove in and just did nothing but the early music thing, it would have been hard for me to make the case that the music tech was something I could do, right? Gotcha. Or had I just done lots of music tech and just done recording studio stuff, it might have been hard to make the case that the music theory, the traditional studying Bach chorales and stuff like that was something I could do. Ah. So I was able to kind of prove both by having that wider breadth than many do. And you, you received your degree or you finished school in what year? So completely done with my PhD in 2015. And when did you land at Cuyamaca? 2008. So it was wow. still several years that I was chipping away at that. I was what's called ABD, all but dissertation, for like <laughs> five, six years. Is that actually a phrase? A-B-D. It is a phrase. At graduate schools, it's a phrase you hear a lot of time. Yeah, I'm ABD. Which is means like I've done all the classes, I've taken all the tests, now I'm just writing this stupid dissertation, and it takes forever. So I was in that ABD place for like six years. But it sounds like you you got to Cuyamaca fairly soon after you left uh, 
school before your dissertation. I did, I did. I did. Yeah. I actually, so I graduated with my master's degree and I only taught for one year somewhere else. I taught at San Bernardino Valley College as a part-time instructor for one year. Uh, and then I got this job. So, uh, in the meantime, I was applying for everything, applying everywhere I could find any openings, you know, all over the country, whatever. Um, so yeah, I was pretty quick. I, I finished my master's degree in 2007, started at Cuyamaca 2008. And in the interim, there was one year teaching part-time in San Bernardino. So would it be fair to say that this breadth of, of educational knowledge you got took you on a very precise trajectory. You didn't have to wander much. You kind of went bada bing, bada boom, here I am. I, I mean, in hindsight, it would look that way, but you know, to an academic advisor who was watching it happen, it was kind of terrifying probably. Because it's like, what are you actually gonna do with this stuff? Because that's, that's pretty rare. Usually people get pretty kind of tunnel vision in the process of going through college. Um, they have a certain expertise that they're shooting for, and they're going to be an expert in this thing, right? Because typically that's what universities want. They want an expert in this pretty narrow thing. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it would, it would look to an outsider that, you know, I started my very first semester of college in the year 2000. And by the year 2008, I had both a bachelor's and a master's degree and had landed a tenure-track full-time job. That's a pretty straight shot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think but so. But to, to somebody on the inside, they would have looked at what I was doing, and it could have been a little bit scary <laughs> to somebody who is saying, what are you possibly going to do with all of these varied interests and almost expertises and all of these things, you know? But like I said, like it landed me here, which is a great place to be. So I can't complain. Well, I think as a student, we often hear um, advisors, uh, you know, ed counselors and stuff, you know, stick to your ed plan. Don't take extra stuff. What are you going to do with that? You know, things like that, um, which I think in one hand is important, you know, but on the other hand, you know, as a student, you really don't know what you don't know until you get into it. You know, it's it's difficult to, to say, oh, it must be this and such. Then you learn this. And then how many people are out there with these degrees in a particular field? And that is not their, their in, <laughs> that's not what they're doing. They're not, you know. Yeah, I, you know, I understand the, uh, the impulse to be kind of tunnel vision toward graduation, toward a career goal, things like this. I get that. Um, my advice would be different. And it's kind of, it's, this is a little bit of privileged advice because I understand that there's some financial reasons why this is bad advice. Um, but in my mind, what is the, di what's the difference between taking four years to graduate with a bachelor's degree and taking five years to graduate with a bachelor's degree? In the grand scheme of things, really not much. Uh, I agree. Especially if in that five-year plan or six-year or whatever, right, um, you kind of found some new things that you didn't know about before. And you did some interesting things that gave you new ways of looking at the world. Yes. Um, that seems like a, an extra year well spent. 
uh, and and extra money even well spent. And I get it that like college is crazy expensive, you know, and it causes lots of problems for people financially, myself included. Uh, so that's not super great advice from that standpoint. Now that is the challenge. Uh, that is the challenge. The financial responsibility associated with the deviations from the ed plan, you know? Yeah. Right. But at the end of the day, you're a testament to some of the, um, some of the opportunities that can present themselves. I mean, and you know, things are emerging, things are changing. And if you're in place for it, like um, music therapy is a new field that's really growing leaps and bounds, depending on where your passion is, there may be something in there by the time you finish school. Steve Jobs talked about taking calligraphy courses, which brought us fonts to computers. But that was nowhere right. near his head plan, you know. Yeah, he just found it interesting. So you know, who's to say? Um, but having said all of those wonderful things, and I, I, I applaud you. I think you're a great. Your your journey is a great example of somehow finding your happy medium. Finding as a student, finding your own happy medium to to what you want to do with your life. Um, but would you encourage others to um, seek, you know, this kind of road? And and if mm-hmm. you do encourage them, how do you, what, what are the things that you offer to the students? I'm sure students must come to you and say, hey, tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah, so yes, I do get quite a few students coming to me as you know, in my capacity as a professor, as well as the chair of yes. the, the performing arts department with questions about these types of things. Um, you know, and I, I try to kind of have a bigger picture idea, which is, you know, if, if the, if the opportunity is I can graduate in four years and not do X, Y, and Z, and I'll graduate in four years, or I could do X, Y, and Z, and they sound really interesting, and I'm kind of curious to see what that does. My advice is take classes X, Y, Z, because why not, right? Uh, Because like I said, like, so what if it puts you one semester or two semesters behind if you got some really cool experiences and some interesting uh, insights in the process? Yes. Um, I mean, because in university setting, educational setting, where else will you, some of the opportunities you get in school are kind of unique, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. Where else are you going to get a chance to take a class on like, you know, 19th century French literature? Like probably never. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, like I, I would always tell somebody if something seems interesting and it really is calling to you right now, then go do it. Um, you know, and then if it turns out it was a dead end, uh, well, now you know that it was a dead end and come back. Right. As opposed to later when work and children and families and whatever else. Yeah. And you're not going to get that chance. Right. Exactly. No, no, no. I agree. We have this great opportunity here in the academic setting and we, we get these options and you would encourage those who can to kind of look at some of the options to make feel seated in what it is they want to do, that they, they take the opportunity to do these things. What do you enjoy about teaching? I mean, you were you were going to do jazz, and I assume 
you still like jazz and <laughs> and then you fell in love with early music and found yourself a professor at a wonderful little great school that allows you to use your technical your early music and all of this what is it that has you getting up every day and putting on your professor hat and coming out there and all that kind of good stuff yeah uh that's a good question so I very much enjoy just the environment of being around a bunch of people who have decided to take time out of their day to come and learn interesting things. Meaning the students who are in front of me, like there are tons of other things they could be doing, but instead they've decided they're going to set aside this time and maybe even pony up some money to come and learn some, some interesting things. Okay. I find that inspiring just simply because like, from like a purely evolutionary biological view, it's kind of a waste of time because like there are much more useful quote unquote things you could probably be doing with that one hour on a Monday morning, you know, like working and feeding yourself or something. Right. Functional um, things. So that's inspiring to me that I, uh, th- just to be around people who have decided to do that. Um, secondly, uh, I do look at most of my students as more like my peers and friends than I do my, you know, people below me, so to speak, on, on the, on the, on the, yeah, sure. Uh, because uh, I just, what we, among other things, I'm not that much older. I'm getting more and more <laughs> further removed from my students' ages. But like when I started, I was only 26 years old when I started teaching at Cuyamaca College. So it was really close to the same age as most of the students, right? Um, and I've yeah, never... that's in the rain. Yeah, yeah. So I have not ever really grown out of that feeling uh, of looking at the students as kind of like peers and colleagues rather than people are, who are like below me in some sort of hierarchy. So like I really do think of many of my students as friends of mine. Uh, and so I just kind of like hanging out with these friends of mine and working on interesting projects, talking about interesting things with them. So that's, that's something that I really like a lot about what I do. Um, and then the other thing is you mentioned the very beginning, the, the rock pop and soul ensemble that I've been directing for the last several years. And that's, to me, that's just like the coolest class I could possibly teach. Um, because when I decided to be a music major way back in the year 2099, what I really wanted to do way back, way back yeah, yeah. Uh, what I really wanted to do was to be playing rock bands. Like that's what I wanted to do. That's why I got involved in that stuff way back in the fourth grade was like, you know, I was interested in pop music. Um, and it is not that much of a stretch to say that I joined the jazz band at my high school, partly because that was the closest thing I could do that was quote unquote legitimate to being like in a rock band. Then when I went to college, studied jazz, the first thing I did was like found the local pop music stuff going on and started doing that. Right. So now I get to teach a class where that's what we do is we play the music that I always wanted to play. Um, and that's just super fun. That is fun as a student in your class. I can attest to that. It is fun. And um, your hands-on approach, but at the same time allowing us the 
<laughs> the room to fall down a little bit <laughs> yeah. is 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 fairly is is pretty cool you know um like the way you adjusted this semester for covid i know you know we all kind of hate the fact we're not in the musical studio and performing but we were all assigned our own song and we got to be the band leader for our song and direct the rest of the group which was was is because the semester's not over is a little bit challenging but at the same time fairly rewarding yeah. but i must mention at this point being in a rock pop soul band feels kind of foreign to the general educational plan for music majors this i find that to be a little bit different it's changing now but when i first started on this little path this i, I didn't think this was even an option you know um what are your thoughts on that no, you're right. It is somewhat unique. It's becoming less so, but uh, 10, 15 years ago when we started doing it, um, it was very unique. Um, colleges are a little bit behind the cur- music schools and music departments at colleges are a little bit behind the curve on like relevancy, for lack of a better word. Uh they're really good at teaching music from the past and not super great at teaching current music. And even when they do teach current music, it tends to be stuff that is not, doesn't have much of a commercial market. And that's not at all to say that that is therefore bad music or something, but it's just, that's not what colleges tended to do. Okay. Which means that after you graduate from a music school, you sometimes are kind of ill-equipped to deal with the actual business of making music because let's just say you're a singer and you, you know, you learned all these great arias from these operas and you got all this stuff and it's like, okay, I'm out here ready to hire me to sing opera. And like those opera gigs just say are ben very Kudel, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> like those opera gigs are just not out there. Okay in the numbers of it it compared to the number of people that were graduating with degrees in classical voice, the number of jobs for like a backup singer for a pop band, much more numerous. Okay. But we didn't really train that singer to one sing that way, but even more importantly to like know how to market themselves and find those jobs. Right. Uh, so Kuiamaka College is trying to do that with our music industry studies program and including that is the rock, pop, and soul ensemble to provide a place for people to get some training and some experience to learn about that side of music making. And the second thing that we're trying to do is that there was there's a whole crop of people who are quite talented, quite ambitious, have tons of potential, but because they don't have the right background as a teenager, would get turned away from most music schools. Yes, yes, yes. You know, like the you didn't play clarinet in the high school band all four years and take private lessons, so therefore you're not able to get into a more traditional music program because you just don't have that background that they expect. That's true. And so what happens is these people's musical training just gets like cut off at the knees because they don't have what the traditional music schools want them to have, which is a bummer because these people are often very talented, very ambitious, tons of potential, like I said, 
and they get told, yeah, you're not going to make it in this world. When they maybe they would if somebody gave them some of those tools, right? Uh, so we wanted to be a little bit more open and say, yeah, you know, I understand that you play the guitar and that you don't read music notation right now, but I can tell that you've got a lot of stuff that could be happening if you just got some help. So we're trying to be a school that does that, right? That is a place for people like that that would have usually gotten turned away from the from most universities, um, including having a rock band for you to play in. Because being a music major says you got to play. You got to play in a band. You got to sing in a choir. Play in an orchestra, right? So you know if you're an electric bass player, you've got nowhere to go at most <laughs> schools. Yeah, right. So we have a group for you if you play electric bass or electric guitar or, or drum set or whatever uh, to get some experience performing in an ensemble, learning what that dynamic is like and getting that experience of a music major just in a slightly different uh, you know, genre setting than usual. Uh, most definitely. It is great experience. Um, and it, at my, my focus is not necessarily rock. I do enjoy rock, but it's not the same. I love jazz and some more classical jazz and classical music. However, there is invaluable experience in being in the band. There's there's all kind of things. And I don't think that um, musicians learn their craft in a vacuum. Like if you're only classical, that's all you ever hear. I I, I think you get influenced from a variety of things, don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, it's, there's, I think I shared this in a class one time in the past, but there's a quote somewhere from Michael Tilson Thomas, who was the, among other things, he was the conductor of the San Francisco Symphony for a long time. And he talked about how he would go and he'd conduct the symphony and they'd have their rehearsals and then they'd all get in their cars and they turn oh, on yeah. James Brown while they're driving home. You know, like, uh, yes. he's like, so these people aren't, yeah, these musicians aren't making music completely divorced from what's going on in that current mm -hmm. setting, you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes music schools pretend that that's the case. You know, you could get, I, I cringe to think, and I, and I know this is the case that, I graduated with people for my bachelor's degree who, like, don't know who David Bowie is, like, couldn't name one song by the Rolling Stones. Wow. Or couldn't name any contemporary, then at least, early 2000s, any contemporary, like, popular musician. And these are people who've gone to college to study music, right? Uh, we're not, that's not great. <laughs> that's not a good look. <laughs> No, no. Plus, they're missing out on the, the variations and and having like you and your wider breadth of education. They're missing out on those other experiences. Who knows where that can lead you? You know. Um, right. But at the end of the day, you have a musician hat too. I know you're in the rock pop soul band, but you're not really in the band. You're more like the professor. Yes, we do get you to sit in sometimes. Yeah, in yeah. I mean, I just fill in holes in there. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. in addition to that, are you still playing? Do you have any? I do play a little bit. Yes, I do play a little bit. So my most frequent thing is I play in this band called the Swamp Critters. Say what which now? Is a the what? Band. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> the Swamp Critters. Okay. It's a Zydeco band um, ah. that I was hired uh, to join about a year and a half ago, and 
we play now that things are opening up. We're playing pretty regularly, uh, about once a week ish. It's a little bit hit or miss as to where, but um, you know, like we played last night and at this kind of like juice bar restaurant thing in in Ocean Beach. Um, we're playing next week at this place called Aquarius, which is out in Mission Beach. That's where we play the most often in that it's the first, or excuse me, it's the last Tuesday of every month. Um, there's usually something else going on many other weeks, but that one is like last Tuesday of the month. That band is playing there, um, the Swamp Critters. Mm-hmm. And is a Zydeco uh, band. It's a Zydeco band, yeah, So, which is like traditional music from like New Orleans. Yes, Gulf I Coast. love Zydeco. Isn't there a Zydeco, yeah. Zydeco festival here in San Diego? There is. Uh, it is on hiatus because of everything is being on hiatus, right? But yeah, there's a there's this event called Gator by the Bay. Mm, yes. Uh, that's a yearly event, usually in, I think it's in May, usually. Uh, but it did not happen last year, is not happening this year. Bummer. Um, but the the guy who leads the band that I'm playing with uh, is one of the people who's kind of the that made that event happen in the in the beginning and has continued to make it happen. So. Excellent, excellent. Well, that's a wonderful festival. I hope we have opportunity to have that again here in San Diego. It's one of the first things I started doing when I came here from Los Angeles when I moved here, and it's spread out. There's several stages, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like all of the park areas around Mission Bay kind of become this festival, and there's you know four or five stages spread out across the bay. And did you play with that? Of course, did there's you the, actually all the food there? and all that. No, so I actually joined the band. Uh, I've been subbing with them for a couple of years, but I became like the official bass player in the band last. Let's I want to say maybe like December 2019. Oh, right before or the, so. Uh, right before the season, the COVID right. season. And then we were planning on playing the twenty. 20- night the 2020 version right but it got canceled and then now it's canceled again so i actually have not played that show because it's been on hiatus ever since i've been in the band well speaking of that and covid season and all that um other musicians i've heard them um kind of bemoan the fact that they're not very motivated or um feel kind of despondent because of the quarantines and all these wonderful things going on. Do you have any encouraging or suggesting suggestions for the would be musician who's trying to stay focused, try to stay, <laughs> stay, um, mm, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm not a good example of that. <laughs> um, well, so here's a couple of things that I've gathered from talking to some other people. And I have done a little bit of this, which is just that most of us have things that we really always wanted to work on or wish we could do, but we always said we were just too busy. I just don't have time for that right now. I just I right. can't do that right now. Uh, and so now here we are. We've had the last year when a lot of the stuff that usually kept us busy was out of the way. Um, so that could have been a really good opportunity to do something that we've always been wanting to do, right? Um, so an example, one thing that I've done is starting in this, just this year, just in January, um, I started taking bass lessons again for the first time in 
Ooh. Uh, 15 plus years. Okay. Um, so, just because I'm like, there's a lot of problems with my with my bass playing, especially classical bass playing. What? And I'm just like, I, yeah, it would be great to learn to get better, to like take lessons and just, you know, fix a lot of these things. And I, I just don't have time for that. So, realized, you know what? Actually, there is some time right now, you know. Okay. Uh, Good point. Good point. But the only, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking somewhat hesitantly because I don't like the way that this has been framed by too many of the like hashtag productivity people. Oh, to, yes. Um, to say that, oh, well, if you don't come out of this having written a book or whatever, that you were just lazy. It wasn't that you didn't have time. No. Like, I, I'm, I don't want that to be the message at all. But just that we are presented right now with, with an opportunity that was always kind of elusive because we were too busy. And it is a cool time to explore some of those things. I, you know, I, 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 wow. I, you know, I forgot that that is a narrative that's been going around about the productivity and, you know, this is a good time, but let's not forget it is in the middle of a national pandemic and and a heightened, um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're literally living through like collective trauma as a country and really as a world. And like to say, oh, well, if you didn't do all those things that you always wanted to do, you were just lazy. It wasn't that you didn't have the time. Like, that's that's sucky. That's unrealistic. That's <laughs> unrealistic. And yes, it's sucky. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but that is something, some advice that I might give is like, now is the great time to like spend time writing, spend time recording, spend time picking up a new instrument that you've always been wanting to do or, or take lessons, uh, you know. Because I don't think that you will look back in a couple of years and go, um, think that that was time poorly spent that you, you know, wrote some songs or did some recording. Um, right. So. so just kind of find time where you can, particularly since, um, you know, there's a little less um, of the push, push during this time, at least during this time. Um, right. So overall, we have this great, um, this great journey, not a straight road, winding road, but it took you exactly where you needed to be. <laughs> you're still performing, you're still loving music. And on top of that, you get to um, play with the technology and wonderful new minds and all this great experience you bring to us, the students. Um, Thank you. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. And my hat's off to the professor who told you that you should become the bass player too, you know, because apparently he knew what he was doing. So <laughs> Yeah, it's it's weird, you know, that that was what happened. Um, and it, yeah, somehow he saw something, some sort of spark somewhere that yeah, that was going to work you out. You educators, man. Because the fact is I actually spent a couple of semesters in college as a trombone major because the because of the classical bass major thing wasn't going well. Okay. Um, and so they said, well, what do you have classical experience in? And I said, well, I played trombone in my high school band and stuff. I said, well, let's try that for a little while. And I hated it a lot. I hated it so much. <laughs> uh, so if I had been, if I had not been presented with that opportunity to switch to the bass and kind of experience the musical world from that side, Mm-hmm. I think it's quite likely that I would not be, you know, doing music as a job. Wow. So, I mean, I, it sounds it sounds like hyperbolic, but I think that is pretty likely that that one event kind of like changed the whole trajectory of what 
what became of me. I don't think it's hyperbolic at all. I think that things like that, it what, 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 butterfly effect, yeah. all those kind of things are real. Yeah. I, I do think that it's true. It doesn't take much for you to turn your head and look another way and go, oh, there's something bright and shiny <laughs> over there, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, it's just the way it is. Well, I am so happy we had this opportunity to connect and discuss your background and how you got here and what you're doing presently. Um, I can't say enough about how um, um, impressed and how grateful we, the students, are that you bring this wealth of information to us um, because you look out for the things like, you know, this semester we're going to go and to the symphony and look at some things or this semester, you know, you bring these variations to what we're doing that otherwise we would not have had. And I dare say with another professor who doesn't have the kind of background you have. So thank you. Mm -hmm. So where can we go? I know you mentioned Aquarius, but where, where are the places we can go and check you out if we want to come see how you apply your musical? Hmm. Yeah, I have a personal slash professional website, which is taylorsmithmusic.com. So there, I, I'm not very good at posting like information about upcoming gigs, but I do post a fair amount of writing there. I have a blog there, and it's about all sorts of things, but music tends to come up pretty often, as you would guess. Um, I also have a Facebook page uh, where you could just search for me on there where I do okay, tend to Taylor post Smith a little bit more too? about Taylor gigs Smith and stuff music? like that. Uh, yeah, I don't know what my name is on there, honestly. Um, so just look for, like, search for me, and then if you see a bald guy, that's probably me in the picture, you know. Uh, and then I also, same thing, Instagram, I'm on there as well. I, I'm not super great with the social media stuff. Like, it's kind of hit or miss. But I do, I will say, as far as gigs go, I probably post okay. the most information on Facebook about that. But that's a reminder that I should be doing that on my website. So if we want to check you out, um, hit you up on Facebook and see what you're doing. Yeah. If you want to like find out about gigs and stuff, that's the best place to look. And then if you want to read my kind of musicological ramblings about things, my website is the place to do that. Not musicology. Musicological ramblings. Okay, got it. Well, that's the adjective. Maybe, I love it. I love it. I think I just made that <laughs> word up. <laughs> uh. 